0: Welcome to another episode of On the Issues with Alain Ben Mir. We are happy to have back on the
1: podcast Dr. Daniel Bartal, Professor Emeritus at the School of Education Tel Aviv University. Dr. Bartal is a noted psychologist who since the early 80s has focused on political psychology and the study of the socio-psychological foundations of intractable conflicts and peacebuilding, including reconciliation. In this episode, they discuss the concept of an Israeli-Palestinian confederation including the current status quo, mitigating the entrenched psychological perspectives among both Israelis and Palestinians, the ongoing occupation and its effects, and what forces or political changes would need to be seen on every side in order to create an environment where peace is possible.
0: Anyway, uh, to start with, how are you? How have you been? You know, uh, it's a
1: time of uncertainty, which as we know is one of the terrible uh, or or really uh, uncomfortable period for most of the human beings who strive always to live in certainty, predictability. And here we don't know what will bring tomorrow with regard to the uh, COVID, with regard uh, right to the COVID-19 and uh, this causes to a lot of controversy and different opinions and and people are in some kind of frustration. This is a situation in Israel at the
0: moment. So what what, what do you think? What what precipitated that? I mean, Israel was leading the world in the vaccination and all of that. What happened?
1: You know, it's hard to know because there are so many sources, different sources of information that provide different explanation. One is that too early Israel opened completely and mostly opened the skies. People were flying uh, out of Israel, to Israel, and coming back, Uh, one reason. Second is with the variant Delta, that nobody knows still uh, the ramification and its effect. But the fact is that suddenly when in May we reached a minimum of uh, 20, 30 people a day, we today are at 8,000 again. Oh, my
0: goodness.
1: Yeah, 8,000 daily. But the last news of today are that The last two days, uh, really the rate decreased because Israel launched a third vaccination and it is relatively uh, very successful uh, because above 1 million people, especially older, 60 and above, went to be vaccinated. So uh, the feeling for today I mean, exactly today, nobody knows what would be on Sunday. Is uh, that Israel succeeds to control the spread of the uh, The virus? Yeah, virus, right?
0: Yeah, it's sad. It's sad, you know. United States, we're experiencing serious um, uptick with the with the virus. Luckily, New York ha- hasn't been affected so badly yet. We'll see what's going to happen. Um, anyway, did you, you, did you get my paper on the configuration, Danny?
1: Right, you know,
0: those ideas are
1: floating for a number of years as a possibility, but it is, you know, the ideas are floated within a minority of Israeli, at the moment we are in kind of darkness because the present government, uh, which, as you know, uh, is uh, constructed from the I would say even far left to the far right, decided not to deal with the uh, issue of the conflict or occupation, and they left over concentrating on other issues. So there is, I would say, not much discussion, public discussion, except as a daily violations of human rights that are going on. The latest news was that you are maybe aware that uh, since May, Israel uh, killed about 40 Palestinians, which is... uh, considerable wow. number. And, uh, you know, imagine what would have happened if uh, Palestinians would have killed about 40 Israelis within months, two months or three months. Right.
0: It would be
1: a hell. But this happened and, you know, life in Israel is going on. You know, pe- people don't care much about Palestinians. And this is a very sad side. So with regard to uh, Confederation not much is discussed, uh, nothing with regard to the possible solution but uh, as you know uh, next week Bennett will visit uh, uh, Biden and uh, probably one of the topics will be uh, what Bennett is intending to do with uh, Palestinians, but uh, the general feeling is that Biden would not enter deep into the issue. So, uh, nothing is at the moment expected.
0: I see. Well, especially in the wake of the debacle in Afghanistan.
1: Right, Uh, right, right. There's a serious uproar here in the
0: United States. And And the Iran story,
1: which is somewhat uncertain at the moment. So nothing will
0: happen. Right. But aside from the fact that it's not much being discussed, in terms of possibilities, let us assume they turn to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in earnest and look at the various possibilities. This is from my perspective. This is how I look at it. Is it possible? That is, the principle of a two-state solution, in my view, remain uh, central to any long-term solution to the Israeli Palestinian conflict. The question is, what has changed on the ground in terms of the the population, the security, the refugees, uh, the the status of Jerusalem? When you look at all of that, the, the fact that there is no clear separation anymore, you have Israelis in the West Bank, you have Palestinian, of course, in Israel. You have Jerusalem, which is a mixed community between Israelis and Palestinians, which is the largest community in the world, is both Israelis and Palestinians in Jerusalem. In this separation, physical separation, no longer possible. That's how I see it. And that's one aspect. The second aspect, if for example, Jerusalem is cannot be divided, and by all accounts, it's impossible to divide Jerusalem. Let's say, let's say they agree. Even on a two-state solution, and even if they agree to for East Jerusalem to become the capital, there is no separation, which means Israelis and the Palestinians are mingled now and will continue to be, for as far as the eye can see. And that is the from that perspective. That's my idea, of course, my concept of of, of confederation. Uh, it's 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 born. That is. Given these realities on the ground, uh, they, whereas you can have or you should have two independent states, but they need to collaborate on so many different issues because of the fact that the population of both sides are mixed in all, just about everywhere. In the West Bank, obviously, in Israel itself, in Jerusalem, and even Gaza. Gaza depends largely on what Israel does or doesn't do. And even if there is going to be peace between Israel and the Palestinians, and, and including Hamas, the interaction between Hamas and Israel, Hamas and the West Bank is going to have to continue, which means under any circumstances, there going to be no clear separation, which eventually you're going to have some, a border, which is really a, a political border in my view. Of course, once the issue, of national security is is settled. And for that, from my perspective, you're going to need several years, seven, eight, maybe even more years of a process to reconcile between the two sides through government to government, people to people activities, and to begin to develop a trust between the two sides. So it is not, you're going to sit down and create a confederation there's gonna to have to be a process for many member peers to develop that trust between the two sides. And then you have to move into that, that kind of process, that into that outcome, because in my view, there is going to be impossible any kind of different outcome. Uh, so what, what's your take on that?
1: You know, I, I talk with Palestinians and uh, I, I think that uh, uh, your analysis is the one that probably uh, I would say even is the best on a practical level. But when you talk about these practical uh, aspects, uh, everyone uh, must understand that in addition to these instrumental uh, steps uh, that can be taken or should be taken. There is one more aspect. And this is, I would say, the same symbolic, the psychological one, which is fed by identity, by narratives, uh, by history, collective memory of Palestinians. And uh, they say, many of they, you know, being given uh, aware So the only solution is, in some way, uh, really confederation or another type of building uh, uh, special different relations that are today, they say usually, okay. but first, give us independence, give us independence, full independence and then we will decide on the type of relationship that we will decide to build on uh, the basis of ideas of uh, all kind of uh, unity confederation etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah. uh, we need uh, at the one level to talk about practical advancement that are uh, really uh, moving ahead ideas as, for example, Udman Confederation. But at the same time, there is need to work on the uh, psychological level. And I believe that it's extremely important, not only because I am psychologist, but I deeply believe that any solution has to come from the mind of people and changing the mind of the people, in the view of reality on the ground, and it's not easy. It's really not easy with regard to what is going on on Palestinian side and what is going on the Israeli side. We all understand, uh, alone, that in many respects, uh, really Abu Mazen is finished. The leader, so at the moment, is governing. PA, P- Palestinian Authority lost the trust of his uh, nation. Most of the people, most of the segments and it's based on two levels. you know, one is power and second economic dependency when the hundred thousand of people are dependent on the uh, existence of Palestine Authority uh, being in security service teachers or many other uh, really sectors that are financed really by uh, Europe or by uh, Arab countries or, you know, as we know, Qatar and Gaza. And uh, at the moment we are in kind of installment. Uh, Abu yeah. Mazen is perceived as collaborator with Israel. And, and it's true. Take an example, you know, simple example that uh, uh, Israeli soldiers can enter anytime they want area A in order to arrest uh, people. So in view of Palestinians are viewed as uh, freedom fighters. And uh, just recently we had an incident in Jenin where four Palestinians were killed when Israeli forces enter to, uh, to Jenin to uh, arrest a, a Palestinian. On the other hand, you have to understand that 70, 75% of the Israeli Jews are hawks, which means that they, uh, through the time since 2000, accept the uh, basic assumptions of the right. You know, like there is no partner on the other side, that Israel exists in existential threat, etc., etc. So, uh, you know, this, this is a reality, psychological reality, but it is a very important factor in a way that it's possible to move in order to resolve this bloody conflict. You know, one example today, which is extremely interesting for for me, it was published today, on, on Friday, there was published an interview with Shai Piron. Shai Piron was in the government of Netanyahu, Minister of Education, and he tells the following story. And listen, because in my opinion, it's extraordinary. So Shai Piron as the minister of education together with Benjamin Netanyahu visited Poland Auschwitz. And here what said, what did say uh, uh, Netanyahu to Piron? He said, we need to have Holocaust remembered as existential danger forever because it serves us. And nation well, there is a danger, so that Jewish nation Israel will in fact, uh, dis- dissipate or even disorganize if we will not have a common threat that may come every day. Can you imagine usually uh, researchers are writing this line. And here it's the first time, that it was said directly by a prime minister. And I believe that many of the leaders understand that threat, uh, living in threat, is serving very much the political uh, narratives uh, propagated by uh, the
0: present leadership. Of course, of course. Yeah, you you know from our previous communications, I fully agree with you about the psychological dimension of of the conflict. And in previous writing, and I think you saw some papers from before, there's no question. What I, my feeling is that that psychological dimension, the historical narrative, obviously is a part of the reconciliation process. If they do not address the psychological aspect of the conflict, and they do not address the historical perspective, it will be impossible to reconcile. I fully agree with you on that. That's the process of reconciliation. That's how where I see it ought to take place. The question is the extent to which they can succeed and how long that's going to take. And like you just mentioned, the Holocaust is something that the Israelis will not forget. And Nakba, the catastrophe of 48, the Palestinians will not forget. The question is how do you reconcile between the two? And, and um, Israelis so far refuse to acknowledge uh, in Nakba, for example, some Palestinians refuse to acknowledge the Holocaust. And I agree with you 100%. The politician used national threat, national security concern as a tool by which to basically m- maintain the current policy that you cannot trust the Palestinians and there's nothing we can do about it. That's, I fully, fully concur with you on that. Of course, Abbas is hopeless as well. I've always maintained as, like as long as Abbas is in power and as long as Netanyahu, Netanyahu is out of power. And there'll be nothing, no, no progress on, on the area of Israeli-Palestinian reconciliation. But now, of course, you have a different government. And I don't know, you know needless to say, and you know better, how extremist uh, Bennett is, at least for the time being, <clears throat> until he's replaced by, by uh, Lafitte. But on the other hand, there's a government which represents from the extreme left to the extreme right, the first time in Israel history, including an Arab party. I see uh, at least a glimmer, glimmer of possibility that if such a government does not uh, initiate any kind of serious contact with the Palestinians, which government will? And like you said, if 75% of the Israelis are moving out on the right center, that's a, that's a major, major impediment. It would be impossible to, to, to address, to, to deal with, with, the, with the public opinion, especially if concessions need to be made, and especially if you're going to give the Palestinian independence. That's the other. And the other point I want to mention to you, the, the, my, my feeling is, Palestinians are saying, we want to give us independence now, and then we can talk about the kind of relationship we have. My approach is that they have to agree in principle from the very beginning, that is the outcome, whether it's going to take eight years, nine years, 10 years, the outcome should be a two-state solution with a significant collaboration between the two sides. And then you have a roadmap, a roadmap that could lead to that eventuality. But if they don't agree in principle from the very, very beginning, that this should be the outcome, you, are not, you don't have the basis, the foundation, on which to conduct any kind of serious negotiation, specifically when you have so many issues, so many conflicting issues that it, can, it cannot be resolved unless you go through a, that kind of process. That is where, where, where I'm coming from. That's when I look at all, all aspects of the conflict uh, in terms of demographics, in terms of this Palestinian refugees, the future of Jerusalem, uh, national security, they are interlinked with the Palestinian in every which way you can see it. They are interlinked. And that interlink between the two sides necessitate, necessitate some kind of relationship, which and let's call it the confederation, whereby they can have to collaborate on all these aspects and some. And I don't see at this juncture, I really don't see any other option, viable option, albeit this is not an easy one. But probably the only practical up, um, option, uh, that is if there's a government in Israel who's willing to settle the conflict, this is, this is a different issue, obviously. Uh, but let me just reiterate, if this government doesn't do anything anything about it, the next government certainly could be a right of center. But right, left of center government uh, probably is gonna be, um, for a right of center government will be al- almost impossible. to to go that way because they will not have the kind of public support, especially if a majority of Israelis are right of center.
1: Alon, you know, we can approach uh, this issue from following uh, angle. Uh, What kind, we need a force. You know, I specialize in uh, conflicts and uh, their dynamics and their resolution. And in every conflict that was resolved, there were forces, political forces, whether inside or outside, that moved the process. And we can analyze now as example, you know, Algerian war, we can talk about Northern Irish uh, conflict or a Basque conflict, and see what were the forces. At the moment, You know, I don't see them in the Israeli scene. It's possible that they will appear. You know, nobody thought uh, in the, uh, let's say, uh, mid 80s that Rabin will make such a move as he made, uh, you know, seven years later. We have to remember that during the first uprising, he said that the solution let's break their legs, you know, with mm-hmm. uh, sticks. You no, know, yes. this was his solution to the conflict. Yes. And he was more hawkish than Perez, <laughs> but then after the Iraqi war, he started to change his mind. Also, De Gaulle changed his mind when he came to power in 1958. So people change, but at the moment, you know, what was expected from guns, we now realize that it will not come. And we don't see on the background, any figures that can be another De Gaulle, another Mandela, another Clark. We don't see them also. We don't see within the society as we agreed, that there are forces, the left exists and fights and has uh, NGOs, but very small influence. Of 10 to 15 percent uh, support of the population, and uh, and even participate in the government today merits. But it will I as I see it, we will not see any uh, meaningful move, moves. And then let's look outside. Europe is helpless for uh, decades. You know, could do all kind of st- taking take steps. And also United States at the moment in the, with the present uh, uh, president, I don't believe will make uh, steps that will be meaningful because of the agendas that Biden uh, declared. So at the moment for the next years, uh, I would say few years, I, I, I want to be because, you know, nobody knew uh, so the wall will fall within such a short time, or you know we can take different examples. So I, I would say so that uh, for the next few years, I don't see any uh, force that uh, uh, will uh, push and will be meaningful for bringing uh, change in in our conflict and. This is what we have to face. You know, the present government, true, includes Meretz, as I said, which is a really progressive party and Labour party. And I know personally, most of the ministers, all the ministers from Meretz. And I, I know what are their personal opinions, but they agreed as a formal uh, agreement between uh, uh, among the parties that constitutes the present coalition, that this issue will be out of agenda.
0: And yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I, 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 I heard this, of course, it is absolutely sad, sad commentary. And um, and uh, I also agree with you that is a, the, if the current uh, uh, status quo continues, uh, there is no prospect of anything happening in the next five, six, maybe more years than that. But when you say um, time can change, a new leader will emerge, my, my feeling is that where this such a leader will emerge from and what kind of a leader we're going to need to have in Israel to engender the kind of consensus that is going to be necessary to move toward, toward a two-state solution. Uh, you mentioned Biden, you mentioned, I agree with you, the EU is basically helpless and, and when it comes to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, largely, they support, of course, two-state solution. They support the Palestinian cause, but they have very little influence over Israel. The Biden administration, I mean, the principal position they have taken is that we do not want to engage in serious negotiation process for you know, to reach an agreement, but we should have some kind of a process, like I call it, process of reconciliation between the two sides. And that is to get them closer and closer to understanding each other, to reconcile their differences. That is as a prerequisite to reaching a finally an agreement between the two sides. That's the position of this administration. He does not want to engage into a serious negotiation because he knows it probably is not gonna go anywhere. This is again comes where I'm coming from in terms of we do we need some kind of process. That is, even if we that is. The two-state solution. Do you agree with the premise? That's what I want to hear from you. Do you agree with the premise that the two-state solution is has to occur in order to end, end the Israeli-Palestinian conflict?
1: Uh, I, you know, I belong to this. I would say, if I may, experts that are losing in some way. I believe that so it's possible. You, I just about when it was—I cannot remember—few months ago, I had a tour in West Bank, and uh, I realized what did happen since in the last 20-25 years, where uh, the settlements expanded into the mountains and. Uh, Now you have to move about 60 to 70,000 settlers, so I remember what kind of difficulty was when Israel had to move only 8,000 from Gaza Strip. Now to move 60,000, especially the ones that are on the mountain, are very extremist, in uh, it's interesting because Shaul Arielli, who is one of the experts, he's ex-colonel Dr. Shaul Arielli, about the Jewish settlement, he just came with a, a study, extremely interesting. that On the mountains deep into the West Bank are uh, located the most extreme Really, portion of the uh, Jewish uh, settlers. So uh, I can imagine that will be extremely difficult. Remember, remember that Rabin, after the uh, really trauma of uh, Goldstein, to remind to the listener, Goldstein was an extreme Jew who entered into Hebron to the whole, one of the holiest places mosque in, uh, in Hebron and murdered 29 Muslims uh, praying yeah. and uh, over hundred wounded. And uh, as you remember, Rabin uh, really entertained the possibility of removing Jewish settlers from Hebron right. and he did do it. Why he didn't do it? He didn't do it because he believed that at that time there will be a civil war. It was, he was warned by uh, Eltsprinzak, who was the expert on extremist movement. And he told him at night when Rabin called him, what do you say? He said, there will be civil war. I, I am not sure that his prediction would have happened, but the fact is, Thought Rabin was extremely afraid to do such a move, to move really several hundred extremists from Hebron. So now you have to move about 60,000. I mean, I cannot imagine what will happen. And, and therefore uh, more and more people are thinking within the mainstream of uh, Israel about uh, different solution which one is obviously a confederation, federation, all kinds of relationship that uh, will emerge, but nothing is done. What we need at the moment is small steps. I can give you one example, possibility. There is a mutual, especially uh, by Israel, accusation that uh, the Palestinian Authority is inciting against Jews with using anti Semitic propaganda and, uh, and school books, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, as you know, Palestinian, Palestinians, Palestinians uh, suggested to establish a committee in which will examine the claim that uh, really PA is uh, inciting. Who refused? Israel. Israel is the ones that refused. Netanyahu refused to establish because Netanyahu really lives by incitement, by lying, by inciting from the Israeli side, and this keeps the conflict alive. And, <clears throat> and he said that Israeli will have to live on sword, which means that the future of Israel is uh, Sparta, living in a Spartanian way. So establishing as an example, such a committee would be very beneficial and be functional for moving small steps. So, but Israel at the moment uh, is far from this type of steps. Small steps can be done.
0: Yeah, well, obviously, you know, uh, that is the, the position of the uh, Likud, uh, you know, Jewish home and all of that. There's no. You're absolutely right. That is, uh, they want. They do capitalize on incitement. They capitalize on national security concern. That is their. There have uh, been their political approach from day one, and and as long as they continue to be in control, much in, the, uh, in power, going back now 10 years under Netanyahu, now they agree not to even discuss the issue of Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict. Which is, in my view, the, more, the worst possible decision that you can make, given the fact that the, the Palestinians are not going to disappear. They are there. Right. Israel right. is stuck with them. The Palestinians are stuck with Israel. The question is, what kind of choices they going to make now for the next generation? And I don't see. I think there is a terribly short-sighted the Israelis are in terms of what sort of what's going to be the next generation. That is to, to like I said. They have to live with by the sword. Is this, is this the fate of Israel? Is this what Israel was supposed to be, to live by the sword to endlessly? That is my, my main concern. That is, if there is no shift, what kind of a state do we have? Was this the envision, the, the vision of the founders of Israel? Was is this the way the Jews kind protect themselves indefinitely? Is this the lesson we have heard from, we, we learned from the living in the diaspora? Now that there is a Jewish state and if a Jewish state cannot be able to, to exist unless there is a continuing threat, be that artificial or real, I don't see a future for Israel in the long term.
1: Right, and, and, and you know, just to give you some data, that the new generation, you know, there are a number of studies we just finished even one uh, the new generation let's say uh, between 18 to 29 is more hawkish than the uh, older generations so we see a trend and it's not really uh, surprising uh, not only because of the demographic change where ultra orthodox and orthodox have more children and the ultra-Orthodox entered in the last 15 years into the uh, politics and are a very important force of supporting the right causes, but also because of the educational system. Educational system, remember, uh, was led by education ministers who came from the uh, Zionist uh, religious uh, parties. And uh, then Bennett, Bennett himself was changes.
0: Du- yeah Bennett was an education minister for a while right uh, Bennett
1: Peretz, yeah. uh, gallant you know right, I mean, this, right.
0: This is, yeah this is another issue that I tackle in this uh, in my approach that is the education system both not just in Israel of course in the Palestinian too they need to change the, the narrative in the schools that is in terms of the history. And and uh, and you are absolutely right. They are basically poisoning. In my view, they are poisoning the next generation, not on actual fact, but this is a political political um, desire. This is a political objective to continue to do so. And you like I just said, the new generation has become more even more hawkish than their older than their fathers and grandfathers, because this is being told you are always under threat of being liquidated and so you have to always stand up to your enemies and this is our fate we're going to have to exist this way basically almost indefinitely i think this is the plight of israel today that's the the tragedy that's a tragedy of israel today and and uh, that is why i feel that if there is no movement today you call it confederation call it whatever you want there is no movement whereby the Two sides, the two sides. At least part of the society come together and face the facts on the ground and say, "Where do we go from here? Where do we go from it? Do, does Israel want to exist for another seventy years under this kind of attention? Can in fact, can it survive? Can it survive under this kind uh, of environment? Um, and if it does survive, it's not going to be the kind of Jewish state that we that we envision." And how Jewish said that it should have been. That's how I see it. I so said the longer this conflict continues, the more the more extremist Israel is becoming, and then the solution will become ever more harder, if not impossible. And that is why I think we need a movement. We need some kind of movement, or some kind of approaches, a new thinking. What to do in order to change the dynamics. absolutely agree.
1: I mean, uh, we have examples, you know, where in Northern Ireland, that the movement was from bottom up. And also in France, uh, there was a very strong movement. Uh, the same in Basque country that wanted uh, to terminate uh, the conflict, violent conflict after they achieved their uh, gains. It's true, at the moment in Israel, the view, Uh, I can tell, uh, you know, quote Boogie Ayalod who was the chief of staff in the past, and he is one of the, let's say, rightists by more reasonable people, and in kind of personal uh, uh, debates that I had with him in front of the public, he claimed he's a rightist, and he said his beliefs that the world will get used to the occupation, and as we see, and he gave example. He said, "Look, it was a time during the time of uh, uh, Netanyahu. We have very good relation with India. We have excellent relation with China. We have entrance to Russia. We have uh, we talk with Trump at that time, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And what you are talking about will never happen because uh, people are dependent on their interests, economic interests, technological interests, and Israel is a superpower, in, uh, especially in high techs, et cetera, and the uh, morality is put aside. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is his view, and I have a different view. I believe that so maybe one step forward And two backward, and then three step forward. But the world is moving in the direction that is dictated by the Human Rights uh, Declaration of 1948. Think what was going on 300 years ago. uh, You know, slavery. Today we are in different place, and I believe that eventually, especially because of we are Jews the world eventually will say enough it's enough as it say with regard to south africa
0: basically when you say it's enough that is let the Jews, let the occupation become a reality indefinite reality and no longer want to bother with this with the, and you know yes i mean israel made tremendous stride in terms of relations with india with china with russia uh, even, of course, with the Arab state, look what's happening with the, the, with the Gulf state as well. And, and it has definitely under the, you know, secret tacit um, uh, relationship with, with even Saudi Arabia and many other Arab states, which is not uh, being discussed much, but it's there. And we know it's there. Uh, so the Israelis, they don't have, they don't have the uh, urgency. And there's no question. Because they feel we're making significant progress without giving, uh, giving anything back or away. right, right. And so the right. occupation can continue. We're not paying dear price. Albeit, I, we disagree that occupation costs a lot of money as well in terms of just the cost of national security in terms of the kind of uh, security we have to maintain in the West Bank just to, to maintain security. You know, that's just a fact of life. Now, again, with all of that being considered, whereas the, the world may be quiet, what about the Palestinians themselves? Are they going to sit and do nothing uh, uh, and wait? The world doesn't care, but are they going to simply sit and do nothing? Do you feel, do you feel there's gonna be a point in time, uh, I'm not suggesting it might or might not, but I wanna hear your views. Do you feel there's a point in time where there'd be an uprising of sort, given that that hopelessness eventually lead to that kind of uprising And they will not settle once there is such an uprising unless there is a permanent solution. Do you feel that that is when there is such a conflict, there's going to be breakdown, and when there's a breakdown, you just don't fix the problem. You're going to have to have a much longer term solution. Do you see that as a possibility if there's no movement now or next year or three, four years down the line? I
1: absolutely, absolutely. I I think. That, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, talking with Palestinians, uh, the disaster, uh, second uprising or second intifada was uh, disastrous because of the way it was uh, managed. Uh, the violence was managed where about uh, exactly 1,064 Israelis were murdered. Uh, through, through suicide uh, attacks, terror attacks, in the middle of Israel. And in contrast to what they thought, or it happened sometimes, this type of violence uh, just changed the views of Israel, it destroyed the peace camp, etc. But Absolutely. the first surprising was very uh, successful. And it changed views of people, including, People say that Rabin changed his view in uh, part of the view and started to move towards the position of the necessity to negotiate with PLO. And at the moment, there is a lot of, I would say, undercurrent, which means uh, within Palestinian society. The frustration with Abu Mazen, the disappointment with Fatah, with the way. In fact, uh, Shikaki, who is a pollster, showed that if it would have been election, probably Hamas would get a majority in the parliament, especially, in, let's say, in the view of the last round, where many of the Palestinians see as a, a victory of Palestinians. So uh, I believe that so this type of uh, resistance Erupts unexpectedly. So, uh, in fact, the Israeli intelligence all the time says that there is a possibility of uh, resistance. But the story is that Israel, you know, we must uh, admit uh, and realize that Israel developed a very successful system of uh, control. And supervision. If there is information or rumors so that about 30,000 Palestinians collaborate uh, with Israel, being uh, some kind of informers because of pressure that so they get in order to get a permit to work or, or get a, a possibility to get a medical assistance. Israel is really, uh, at the moment, uh, developed a network of uh, brutality, network of uh, control, and uh, no, it's not new. I, we know different countries had or you know, different nation did this type of control. It didn't help. Eventually, uh, Kenya. Uh, had to change and rebel. and Algeria rebelled. So uh, the control is not uh, uh, really a means that can prevent a uh, wide scale uh, resistance when the time is ripe or something happened. Remember that the first uh, uh, rebellion in 1986, in oh, yeah. uh, 1986, erupted as a result of uh, accident, yes. where uh, six, uh, I think, or seven Palestinians were killed and they believed that it was done purposely by the Israeli driver. So it was enough um, a one match in order to uh, begin a big, big fire. Yeah. So I believe that the potential exists, but I hope that they will know to carry it the ways that will be functional and uh, the world will join the protest, and many in Israel will see the futility of uh, the occupation.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's I, I'm thinking, you know, if there is no progress in next, uh, I mean, like, uh, I think we, we obviously both agree there's the prospect of a serious uprising, and this time, you see. <clears throat> Uh, in 2000, with the with the uprising initially, the 2000, Israel was able to quell it and basically destroy much of what the Palestinians been able to achieve before, before 2000. Um, but desperation now could lead to anything. And any accident, I fully agree with you, could actually lead to this kind of eruption because many, many thousand, if not million, Palestinians are basically feeling helpless Hopeless, there's hopelessness prevailing there. notwithstanding the fact that somehow collaborating with Israel for, for various reasons, but the general feeling, that's how I see it, how I feel, it based on what I know, is there is a, a widespread hopelessness. And hopelessness could, with this despair, and despair can inspire, and when are so despairing, anything can spark you know, violent resistance. And I don't think the Israeli government, any Israeli government so far, has sat down to think in terms of, that is why I'm saying, can the status quo continue indefinitely, given the, even given the fact, which I agree with you 100%, develop massive security apparatus, that is a complete control, intelligence, which is widespread throughout the Arab communities, in Israel, in the West Bank, even in Gaza itself, they have that using this, Sometimes they stick. Occasionally, they carry. Occasionally, um, and uh, they the feeling, and we agree, we can prevail. That is, we can live with the status quo basically indefinitely. That is, that is what I, how I see. Um, where I see the danger to Israel. That is, in my view, and I, I don't know if you agree or not. In my view, this defies. Defies the very vision, the very principle, the very foundation that Israel was created for. And if Israel is to protect the Jews and to provide a home, a refuge for any Jew who wants to live in peace and security, Israel will not be able to provide that anymore. Because, and we see already trend: American Jews, young American Jews are not immigrating in the same number to Israel as they have been before. And when you ask them why, you say that, I don't want to go there and, and, uh, and uh, kill Palestinians. That is not what I want to go there for. So these kind of numbers are growing. And yes, there are immigration going from France, from other places where the Jews are being uh, sort of pushed around where anti-Semitism is prevalent and is high. But when, the whole, when I look at the whole picture there is no prospect for, for Israel to maintain the current status and prevail, they can militarily, but it will become uh, will become uh, gradually uh, morally bankrupt, and it can become an apartheid state uh, along the line of South Africa, if not worse than that. That's how I see the outcome if there is no progress being made, and no Israelis wake up to this bitter reality. Uh, otherwise.
1: Uh, Alon, it's uh, absolutely uh, true. And I believe that uh, especially American jury uh, uh, can play an important role. It's true that during Netanyahu time, he uh, uh, really expressed a number of times a view that uh, having close relationship with the Republican Party and the president, it doesn't need Jews. But boom, boom, you know, Biden was elected and uh, situa- obviously the context changed dramatically. And there is no doubt that this is one of the forces that can change the situation, especially vis-a-vis the government uh, that at present is governing Israel. And uh, I think that views of uh, leaders from the jury in United States, reform movement, conservative movement, the progressive uh, elements uh, has an effect, has an effect. And uh, it will have an effect with time when uh, Israelis will notice uh, concrete steps, with which the jury, progressive jury, liberal
0: jury will take. Well, you know, uh, um, we can talk about this for much longer. (laughs) We obviously agree on many, many issues. In fact, we are going to talk about everything.
1: (laughs) It's true, (laughs) which is, you know, when I talk with uh, (laughs) <laughs> Especially, you no, know, with my friends, obviously, you know, academia is one of the bastion you know, of liberalism and pro uh, forces. But with other people, either I don't talk politics or there is a very fearful uh, debate where we disagree on basic assumptions, right? Uh-huh.
0: No, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. You are a
1: great friend and great colleague, yes.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode on the issues. You can find this podcast on my SoundCloud page and stay tuned to my social media accounts for the latest analysis and announcements.